Let's get it going on the Locked On Royals podcast on the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your teams every day, and baseball is in the news. On today's show, we're going to break down the controversial Hall of Fame results from this week and give you an update on what's happening with the latest CBA negotiation and lockout talk around the sport that we all love. That's all coming up on today's Lockdown Royals on Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. You are Locked On Royals, your daily Kansas City Royals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Lockdown Royals podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I am your host, Rylan Styles. You can follow me on Twitter at Rylan underscore Styles. It's at R-Y-L-A-N underscore S-T-I-L-E-S. You can follow the show on Twitter at Lockdown Royals and even email the show, LockdownRoyals at gmail.com. On today's show, which is brought to you by Built Bar, we're going to dive into some of the controversy surrounding the Hall of Fame, the latest results from the Hall of Fame voting, and an update on players and owners meeting two times this week and what's to come in the future for baseball and all that fun stuff. But thank you for making Lockdown Royals your first listen every single morning, every single day. We are here for you talking Royals baseball. Remember in the offseason, three shows a week, but then... As the season ramps up, we'll be back to our typical five-day-a-week stretch. On today's show, though, again, talking about the Hall of Fame. Want to make sure that for your second listen, you go keep on the Lockdown Podcast Network and go check out Lockdown Chiefs. Lockdown Chiefs is still in season, and it's five days a week, and they're breaking down the Bills divisional game, but also previewing you for Sunday against the Cincinnati Bengals. Go catch up on all those episodes from this week and get ready for the incredible, sensational Chiefs to take the field again for the AFC title game in Arrowhead. Goodness, what a fun stretch this has been for the Chiefs and hopefully it continues with another trip to the Super Bowl. You can catch out all the latest action and news regarding the Chiefs at Locked On Chiefs. Let's talk, though. Let's start out with the Hall of Fame because I think that this is pretty well cut and dry. I think that everybody has an opinion on this, and to me, there's no right or wrong answer. There's passionate answers, but there's no right or wrong answer. I think that it's all up to how you view a scenario in your mind. I think that with the addition of David Ortiz, who of course had that 2003 scandal, and the exclusion of guys like Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens, there is obviously some sports radio conversation to be had here. But ultimately, I think that with Ortiz getting in, the voters should have put Barry Bonds in, should have put Roger Clemens in, I think that 
the way a player treats the voters, and in this case, again, the voters are the media, the way the player treats the media and the media's morals, in my opinion, should not decide if that player is going to be immortal and be in the Hall of Fame and be in uh, the museum. I think that the museum should be treated as a historical artifact. And did this player make enough of an impact to be in there? I used to think that baseball had the best Hall of Fame. But with the way the voters have voted in recent you know, recent stretches here, I think that the NFL now has the best process of getting in and the best voting system and the best voters. Baseball voters are either curmudgeons and they hold things like how they got treated by a player in the post-game press conference against them when it comes to their career achievements. Or baseball voters are simply out of touch. I mean, there was a Hall of Fame voter who on Twitter this week did not know that Derek Jeter was already in the Hall of Fame. Did not know that Derek Jeter is already in the Hall of Fame in which he votes on every single year. And conveniently enough, that was likely the one voter that left off Derek Jeter from his ballot to make Jeter not be a unanimous Hall of Famer. I think that there's a mixture of the votes are in the wrong people's hands that, again, are out of touch and don't care, and a mixture of the votes are in the wrong people's hands where they take this power to the max and really try to overuse it. Again, do not care what any of these guys did in a post-game press conference. Look, I'm in the NBA media. I'm in every single post-game press conference every night for the Thunder and for other teams that play the Thunder and interacting with players every single day after practices, games. There's some players who have an attitude in those interviews that you might not like. You might like the attitude they present you. But if that player is playing well enough to be in the Hall of Fame, I don't really care what they do in a Zoom meeting. I don't really care what they do in the locker room to the media after a game. I mean, you look at Russell Westbrook, who who had a intense battle with the media, and only a few local media here in Oklahoma City. They can't keep him from the Hall of Fame for that, for saying next question every time that Barry Trammell asked him a question. But in baseball, I fear that they would. They would keep out a guy who averaged a triple-double for three seasons, uh, did it for the first time since Oscar Robinson, and is a historic player that's on the top 75 player of all time list presented by the NBA. They'd try to keep him out of the Hall of Fame, that one voter would, because of the one interaction with him. I feel like that's how the baseball media works. And the problem is, if there's one voter that way, it doesn't really matter. But if that one voter rubs off on the other voters and then they bring that chip on their shoulder as well in voting and say, you know what, you're right. So-and-so was wrong to me one time in the clubhouse in 1994. I'm not going to vote for him anymore. Then it begins to spiral. It's a slippery slope when you start to bring those things into the conversation. The only thing that should be in the conversation is their impact on baseball. And the problem is, though, too, that I don't know the solution. I, I don't like to complain about baseball without solutions. I think that that's done ad nauseum all over the place, social media, in the media, everywhere. And that's the big problem with the sport right now is that I don't know how to fix this because 
you could give the votes and more more share of the votes to those who view this game through an analytical prism that that really can make their analysis by not watching the game. Now again, I'm not saying they don't watch the game. Those that you know care a lot about advanced analytics and 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 care a lot about you know the the, the things you can find on Baseball Savant. Those people still watch baseball. They just use different tools to measure success. So that's a tired argument as well that they don't watch baseball. But, however, their argument is oftentimes only based on what that data presents and not the feel of the game, not uh, the impact a player can make on a game that does not show up in the box score, things like that, to where then there you'd be cutting off your nose to spite your face because somebody might not have great pitch framing, but was the heart and soul of a championship team and was a World Series MVP and was the best catcher across generations. But he doesn't get in because of his ex-war 2000. So it's a hard thing to combat. But for sure what should not be factored in is how a media member feels about a player. That is totally and absolutely irrelevant. How you feel about a player on a personal interaction level. Because there's no doubt who the best player of my lifetime is. It's Barry Bonds. And we're going to talk about Barry Bonds' case specifically coming up, but first, I'll tell you right now. But our good friends over at Built Bar. Built Bar is a fantastic protein bar that tastes just like a candy bar. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15. Get 15% off of your next order. Built Bar is fantastic for pre-workout or post-workout or even as a meal replacement. Folks, they have so many great flavors, and we all know we want to get healthier in the new year. I'm going to the gym more than I ever have in the new year so far, looking to keep that up. The best way to go about this, though, is by throwing out all your secret stashes of candy and treats from your office, from your car, from all the little nooks and crannies of, of your house, and replacing those empty calorie treats with Bilt Bars. Because Built Bars are great for you. Again, pre-workout, post-workout, or even some your replacement. They fill you up and keep you sustained through the day. They have protein. And they're all covered, though, in 100% real chocolate. So even though it's really good for you, they still taste great. They don't taste waxy or chalky or, or, or like chemicals, kind of like those other protein bars you might have tried to. They truly taste like a candy bar. And it makes eating healthier and better feel better because you're able to enjoy what you're eating. And the thing, too, is that Bilbar has so many flavors that are staple flavors, like cookies and cream is going to be there all the time. They also have limited-time-only flavors that are going to be there periodically throughout their website on Built.com. And so it allows you to stay fresh, mix it up, and not just eat the same thing over and over again, but still get the same healthy result from all the different flavors that you try. So make sure that you go and check out our good friends over at Built Bar at Built.com. That's Built.com. And use the code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. Make sure you go check them out today. Built.com, promo code LOCK15, 15% off of your next order. We are back on the Lockdown Royals podcast. Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Royals. For your second listen, go check out the Lockdown Chiefs podcast. They're getting you set for all the fantastic things happening around the Kansas City Chiefs right now. They're going back to 
the AFC title game, hoping to go to the Super Bowl again. Make sure you check out Locked On Chiefs. They're five days a week as well. And it's all about, completely about, your Chiefs, five days a week, to get you set for what's to come with the Kansas City Chiefs. And in the offseason, though, Locked On Rolls is three days a week. And we'll ramp up, ramp up to uh, five days a week once the pitchers and catchers report the spring training and we get some action uh, to discuss regarding the Royals. But I do want to continue talking about the Hall of Fame and about Barry Bonds and about this entire drama regarding baseball and the sport that we all love now. As I was saying, Barry Bonds is without a doubt the most feared hitter or the best player of my generation. Uh, he's, he's a guy that did things that's unheard of, right? There, there's accounts dedicated to just tweeting out stats that he accomplished that seem impossible, that seem like a typo, that seem unworldly, that seem like they're never going to be matched again. And there is no current hitter in baseball like Barry Bonds. There's not a hitter in baseball who you'd fear enough to simply walk when the bases are loaded. Walk in a run rather than give up four whenever you're facing a player in, the, in today's game. You just wouldn't do that. But you would to Barry Bonds. And personally, my opinion of the whole steroid thing is it seems awful convenient that this steroid thing was no longer an issue. It was not an issue until after the fact, after baseball had bounced back, after baseball had rejuvenized itself, after baseball had the Great Awakening Part 2 and get and got fans back in the ballparks, got fans back engaged with the sport. Then all of a sudden, after they maintained that success, then they decided to dig deep into it. You, you cannot convince me that during those home run chases and uh, those action-packed summers where fans who had previously sworn off the sport because of, guess what, a lockout, which we're going through right now, uh, came back for that historic ride. You cannot convince me that the MLB did not know that was going on, that stories were happening. But they kept it quiet, they kept it low-key to continue to monetize and to grow off of the steroids. And then what you're seeing is retroactively punishing the players that did the thing you knew about. And, and to me, I don't have a problem with the steroids. Now, I say this, and I want to be very clear. I do have a problem if I was a pitcher that did not want to do steroids. Or, or even a proficient player. If I was a player in baseball at that time that was adamantly against putting steroids into my body for the effects it had on my body, and I was getting outdone by players who didn't care about that and were, and were willing to do that, and they played better than me, and I lost my job because of it, I'd care greatly, right? But as a consumer, and as baseball as a business, they didn't care about that, and it was great for the sport. It wasn't great for the individual players who were playing at that time that did not want to do steroids, but in general, it was great for baseball. It was great for the owners. It was great for the players to get recognition and to get more attention on them. It was great for the fans to have something to rally around and something to enjoy. So to me... I cannot then sit here and grandstand against steroids. Now, if I was in the position I described where I didn't want to take steroids, I didn't take steroids, and I got outplayed by someone who did, and my job was lost because of that, I would be grandstanding against steroids. But that's a very small group of people. 
in the grand scheme of things. And I think that it's silly to leave out Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens and some of the other players who have done steroids before. When there's likely players in the hall that's already done steroids, and with Dave Ortiz getting in and that 2003 scandal, you just likely inducted one that did steroids. I think that I'd have no problem with, you know, putting a putting a sign on the plaque, you know, a, a, a blurb on the plaque about the horrendous things he did, moving him to his own special wing, doing whatever he needed to do to allocate that, hey, this guy did steroids. But to me, it's just a museum. It's just a building. It's just a place to go, learn about baseball, grow your sport, and have artifacts. That's all it is. It's to preserve the history of your game. And you cannot preserve the history of the game without the steroid users. You just can't. You cannot do it. You cannot do it without Barry Bonds. You cannot do it without Roger Clemens. You cannot do it without this era of baseball. You just simply can't. So you shouldn't really try to do so. But congratulations to Dave Ortiz, who was another one of those players from my generation that just stole the show and was just simply incredible. Also got voting, of course. So, you know, with Bonds and Clemens, uh, they got 66% of the vote and 65% of the vote. Scott Rowland got 63%. Kurt Schilling got 58%. Todd Hilton, who I think is kind of a borderline candidate. Uh, I, I wonder I, I wonder if Todd Hilton is kind of viewed in Colorado the same way that Salvador Perez is viewed in Kansas City. I think that Rocky fans would think that Hilton is a, a lock for the Hall of Fame and he gets 52% of the vote this time on his fourth uh, ballot. Now, even without... Royals colored glasses, I would say that Salvador Perez has had a much better career than Todd Hilton. And I don't know if Salvador Perez will be a first ballot Hall of Famer, but I think that Salvador Perez should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, we'll see how his career continues to unfold, though. And, of course, Alex Rodriguez in his first year on the ballot got 34% of the vote. Manny Ramirez in his sixth year on the ballot got uh, 28% of the vote. Uh, Tim Lincecum, Ryan Howard, Mark Teixeira, Jonathan Papelbaum, uh, Justin Morneau, AJ Brzezinski, Prince Fielder, Jake Peavy, Again, Tim Lincecum and Tim Hudson, uh, Tory Hunter as well. Uh, these are all players that deserve a shout-out. Mark, Mark Burley. These are all players that de- deserve a shout-out uh, for being on the ballot and uh, being great players. I mean, just great players that aren't Hall of Fame worthy. They'd be in the Hall of Very, Very Good, but they're not in Hall of Fame. Uh, but they do deserve a ton of credit for their careers. Of course, it'll be Hunter and Burley that stay on. They got over 5% of the vote. The rest will fall off. Coming up, though, we'll tell you what's to come about this MLB CBA negotiation uh, and things of that nature. But first, I want to say right now, my good friends over at betonline.ag. BetOnline is your online sportbook experts. They have you covered for all of your betting needs this season. Uh, you can go check out their new desktop and website interface and use the code LOCKDOWN to get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit whenever you use the code Locked on from football, basketball, hockey, boxing, and UFC, and even your favorite Vegas casino games. Do not wait. Take advantage right now of these amazing offers available for you at 2022. Uh, in 2022, BetOnline.ag is where the game starts. It's the fastest and best way to bet on all of your favorite sports. BetOnline.ag, locked on, 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit.
Welcome back to the Lockdown Royals Podcast on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your teams every day. I want to thank you for listening to Lockdown Royals. Make sure you subscribe for free across all platforms. Go check out Lockdown Chiefs as well. Do the same for them. And I want to tell you that the players and owners met twice this week, and owners are willing to lose games. And I don't really understand why they're willing to lose games. I think that, you know, you could understand why owners would want to lose games or would want to lose games or not be opposed to lose games whenever it was the COVID season and and fans could not be in the stands to make the money during games. But back up and running, I don't know why the owners are so happy to lose games or willing to lose games. We'll see how this goes. Uh, I, I'm still cautiously optimistic that a deal gets done in time to play baseball, but we'll see. I mean, I think they're going to play baseball at some point this year, obviously, but will they lose games from it? Will they lose a week, two weeks, a month? Uh, if I had to bet money right now, I'd still say you lose a month of baseball, but I'm getting more and more optimistic that you don't lose any baseball, but it's getting down to the time where things need to be decided and things need to uh, get ramped up. So we'll see if they do next week, but until then, Subscribe for free across all platforms. Be good and be good to one another.